Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr, joined with Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, Chickren on Tumblr. Guile? Hi, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr. Returning guest Doxa? Hi, I'm Doxa, Doxa Mully on Tumblr. And welcome new guest Emmy. Hi, I'm Emmy, and I am the Golden Kitten King on Tumblr. <laughs> I love Great that name. Tumblr name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We had a little RPG interlude over the holidays, and now we're continuing our read-through of Catelyn Stark's point of view chapters. Uh, we'll be going over her 10th chapter in A Game of Thrones in this episode. Boiler warnings, as usual, for A Song of Ice and Fire and possibly the show. A little setup of all that's taken place between Catelyn's chapters. Lord Commander Mormont has given Jon his sword Longclaw. Cal Drogo is injured in battle. Daenerys asks for healers, and Miri Maz Dürer offers her skills to Drogo. Tyrion and his Vale clansmen are assigned the vanguard under Sir, Clegor, uh, Sir Gregor Clegane at the battle on the Green Fork. They do in, well in battle, but Tywin learns afterward that Rob has tricked him and headed with most of his horses towards River Run, which leads us into this chapter. Uh, Caitlin, Hallis Mullen, and a group of 30 guards wait on a hill overlooking a heavily wooded valley north of River Run. After gaining passage through the twins, they had ridden hard to reach this place before Jamie Lannister could get word of their arrival. Along the way, they had been joined by jo- Lord Jason Malister and his men from Seaguard, as well as hedge knights, small lords, men-at-arms who had fled from when Edmure's army was shattered beneath the walls of River Run, and other assorted followers. Her uncle Brendan and his men had led a reconnaissance mission to determine the location and size of Jamie's army. The 15,000-strong Lannister army had been split between three sides of the river in an attempt to capture Riverrun. Outnumbered by Jamie's army, they made the decision to use surprise and Jamie's impatience to their advantage by luring him into a night ambush. As she continued to watch for any signs of battle, Kat contemplates all the time she has waited for men in her life. First her father, then Brandon Stark, Ned, and now Rob. We also got a good description about Rob's battle guard that I didn't get into detail about, but I thought you all might like to discuss it, especially I liked uh, Kat's commentary on Daisy Mormont <laughs> in that section. Yes. Well, oh, I, yeah, like his personal guard is really interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it turns, you know, it really turns, um, you know, future plots. Like, you don't think much of, like, oh, the you know, the Hornwood guy. Well, I mean, we see later on that that kind of becomes, like, a fairly big deal, not to mention the Karstarks, etc. Yeah, not to mention the Karstarks yep. being a really big fucking deal. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're learning a lot about what's actually going on with the armies and in, in the Riverlands um, during this stupid fucking war. Um <laughs> It, what 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 kind of fascinated me about this um that i mean i've read before but i guess i never really completely caught up on 
I mean, this was entirely spearheaded by the Blackfish. I mean, he pretty much entirely came up with this whole plan because he knew Jamie was such a reckless, like, hothead. <laughs> mm-hmm. that yep. He would fall for it because he keeps putting himself personally in danger by personally leading all these little sorties and stuff that clearly a good commander would not do on their own. <laughs> I mean, there's a, you know, there's a big debate, like, especially if you... You know, it's, if you look at, like, military stuff, there's a big debate about whether, you know, someone should lead from the front or lead from the back. And, you know, there's been examples of both. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's certainly not Jamie's – I mean, it's interesting because I think one of the one of the few criticisms of the Blackwater episode was that they had Stannis leading from the front. Mm-hmm. And Stannis, you know, didn't do that. But, you know, people felt like there's more heroism of the character having him lead from the front like that. And I mean, I think there's been successful examples of people historically in both ways. So I don't necessarily think that Jamie um, leading from the front is bad or reckless or, or anything. It's more like um, he wasn't as worried about, he, you know, he, frankly, he wasn't as worried about the army as he should have been. So he well, wasn't yeah. as worried about the out, you know, he wasn't as worried about losing well, his outriders. Well, and one thing they kept mentioning was that that. They kept um, underscoring the idea that they didn't get, you know, he was convinced, Brendan was convinced they didn't get a message yet. So he wasn't aware that anybody was in, you know, at all in the vicinity. So Well, and I think yeah. they all thought they were fighting Tywin. So they yeah. kind of fooled them both with yeah. with the same trick. I mean, one thing I kind of liked about this is it sort of reinforces that, you know, Jamie's not this, like, idiot moron. Like, this is perfectly understandable that they're kind of catching him in this trap because he doesn't well, think there's a big army around. Yeah, it, yeah. it is somewhat understandable. What, what Jamie does is he doesn't recognize himself as an important uh, leading component uh, of 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 the war that started. He sees himself as a soldier. And yeah, which is interesting. 100% Jamie. <laughs> yeah, it really uh-huh. is. And, you know, it's interesting because during the Blackwater, you know, since you brought that up, Kyle, you know, Tyrion thinks about how Jamie made men love him. And that is one of the reasons that I think his men love him so easily is because he's definitely one of them. Like, you know, people want to follow Jamie because he's a fucking badass who will mm-hmm. go out, you know, lead the charge. Um, I think, yeah, what he fails to recognize is he's not the badass soldier at this point. You know, he's a very important general for his father, like the most important general for his father. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, from from that perspective, it is a mistake. You can totally understand why Jamie doesn't see himself in the role that he actually has. But, of course, that's Jamie's entire character arc right there. That's a good so. point. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, it was kind of interesting, too, which was, as I was writing this, it was kind of hard to condense it because she kind of flips back. It's interesting. She's standing on the top of this hill and she's thinking backwards and forward. She's thinking about all these different things at once. It's not sort of this linear, you know, um, contemplation because she jumps back and forth about different scenes with Brendan and... Did you sort of um, catch, like, a lack of warmth in her memory about Brandon? Like, yeah. oh, get married when I come back. Like, yeah. I sort of I always sort of thought she had a little bit more of a passion for him. But she that doesn't memory mention was heartbreak. She's yeah, not that, upset. It really no. didn't seem like she cared that much, you know? And it was kind of surprising. <laughs> Barbary Dustin would have been, like, beating at her breast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no. It, it, well, this is, you know, when you hear George talk about why he wrote from Catelyn's point of view, because, you know, he gets grilled about this a lot. Okay. <laughs> well, it's been mostly since the show, but, and, you know, this is partly the show's fault for making Rob such a prominent figure. I mean, you know, Rob is, Rob is certainly an important character in the books as far as, you know, someone who makes, you know, the plot move, but he's, he's not a huge, you know, screen time character. And, 
George gets a lot of flack for not writing from Rob's point of view, and he's actually said at, at times himself that he maybe should have written from Rob's point of view, but he deliberately chose Cat because he wanted to show a perspective that not just, I think, in, in, in fantasy novels, but even in historical novels is often overlooked, and that is, you know, the perspective of the woman left at home, the mother, the wife, you know, who's, mm-hmm. who's watching people leave, and I think this yeah. is one of those places where he's really reveling in um, what he can uniquely do with Cat, and that is to say, you know, it's so difficult. She has to sit there on the sidelines. She can't even see what's fucking going on in this battle. And really, her entire life is riding on what they're doing, because this is very risky. If she loses Rob, if they lose the Blackfish, you know, her whole family's fucked. They, they at this point, still think they can get Ned and the girls back, you know. I mean, it's terrible that she all she can do is just sit on the sidelines and and put on a brave smile and pretend that, you know, like she isn't just torn up inside it. It's really heartbreaking, but at the same time, I think refreshing in a way. I like it. I like how he handled it. Yeah. And not to mention like, um, and it just reinforces that, that this has been her life has been waiting like her whole life. And now she has to do more waiting. (laughs) Like, and she just doesn't have any control. Yeah, it, or you know, not as much as she should, she would if she were a man. Poor and cat. I love the obscured view that she can't see everything that's in this mm-hmm. narrow valley and the tree. You know, she's seeing f- kind of flashes of things and then you know just sounds. I love that. Yeah, I love the sound oh. part because you can just like if you're ever up in the mountains and you hear like sounds coming from far away, they sound so much like more intense and like alarming than if you were like right there. Because we have a cabin up in the mountains and there's often bands that play like down ways a bit but because of how it's situated all you can hear are these like really like horrifying almost very scary sounds because it's a band (laughs) playing but they get echoed off the mountains and they come to you and they're very eerie and like it's like almost like horror music or something oh a battle would be really eerie Uh (laughs) yeah well and she captures the way when you're in the woods sound can travel strangely mm-hmm. you know like and especially at night and I, there is some sort of physics law and at work here but how sound can kind of skip and suddenly you can hear something that's you know like you know two or three hundred meters away as though they're right next to you and uh, George just does this beautifully and and he really captures the mood of how of what it's like for Catelyn to sit there and just fucking wait to hear <laughs> Anybody else have anything? Because this kind of leads us into the segue into the next section. Um, anything else from that segment? Or I don't know yeah. if are you, there's a little that little passage that I it kind of just breaks my heart when she's you know watching Rob as he's getting ready. Um, oh, you know, okay. The let him grow taller. She asked the oh, gods. Yeah. Let him know sixteen and twenty and fifty. Let him grow as tall oh. as his father and hold his own son in his arms. Please, please, please. Like that. Just like. <laughs> Oh, I know. George, you asshole. <laughs> I know. I, you know, it's it's so, we know, so it's so difficult to read those bits and not, I mean, it's pretty moving. <laughs> I mean, Chicky, you probably are the only person, I think, that kind of experienced this um, pre, you know, pre-show or pre-knowing maybe what happened. So, I mean, when you were I, reading I this, did you, did you think that, like, oh, Rob's going to be the hero? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you do. You you well, you feel like the Starks are going to triumph. I mean, like you know, but again, like I'm saying, mm-hmm. Clotho, maybe you have this too. Yeah. It, when you're reading, as much as 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 Rob is a part of all this, you don't really focus a ton on him on him as the spearhead of it. I don't I don't I don't know why that is. Like Rob was always kind of a non-entity to me. 
until the show and discussion of him really moved to the forefront. Yeah, I and think I so don't really too. know why that was. Because, you know, and that's the thing, too, because I, I read the books before the show, right before the show. So I finished them all and I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, and I guess that's why I'm still surprised. Even when you, you bring it up just now, I was like, really? People think Rob's a big... <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I always yeah, saw him yeah. as an extension of... Even when this was building up, maybe it was because he was a teenager. I don't know if I brushed him off. Like, I, I'm trying to put myself back when I was reading it, but I never I never saw him as a big... I don't know what it was. I don't. I didn't know he was going to die like that, but I didn't see him as a big deal. Um, yeah, and it's, it's always hard to explain oh. it. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, go. <laughs> No, it was a totally different point. So please, please go, keep going. No, I, I know. I was just backing up with Clotho said it's really difficult to explain why it is that Rob is just not as much of a focus if you don't have any show background. Yeah, I didn't have any show background when I first started reading it. And it, when I watched the show rather recently, I was surprised on how like much they focused on Rob and like how big of it. Like he was so important. And I was like, oh, I never even realized that he was anywhere near as important as the show made him out to be. <laughs> Yeah. But what were you going to say, Gail? I was just thinking, you know, looking at that passage and then, you know, kind of looking at some of the rest of the text. It, and I, I've seen this in other places, too. There's, like, this familiarity with, with Jamie with, like, the Tully Stark clan. Like, he's, you know, they rarely actually call him the Kingslayer. It's always Jamie. Like, oh, Jamie from down the street. Like, it's bizarre. <laughs> and then you realize, like, <laughs> like, they actually know him. You know, pretty, like cat like he was gonna marry his her sister and you know he obviously knew the blackfish like they know these people you know as well as you as well as you probably can in this society in a a weird way you know you know yeah it is like their next door neighbors like that's almost what it's like yeah and it is because the blackfish knows jamie so damn well that he's able to come up with this idea and i don't know if we completely outlined what the idea is but basically what what the Blackfish comes up with is, hey, he's noticed that Jamie's doing this stupid thing of, of by himself leading small bands of men to do small missions. And he says, let's try to lure him away, cut him off from the rest of his army. Because Jamie has like, I don't know, over 10,000 soldiers. He's got, a, he's got a huge force with him. And Rob has what, three or 4,000, something yeah. like that. So, so what, what it is, is they create a big diversion. They basically sacrifice, um, a, a whole bunch of, of people in a, in a diversion battle so that, so that Tywin and Jamie will both assume that that's where Rob's main force is. And they lure Jamie away, you know, with the concept that maybe he's going to go catch just, you know, I don't know what, what the whole concept is, but basically he's going to go out and catch, catch, uh, some of Rob's men. Mm-hmm. And so they lure Jamie himself out with a very small force and then, close in behind him, cut him off from the rest of his forces and capture him. And it's a really risky move. Um, it's, it's brave. It's entirely dependent upon the Blackfish's read of Jamie's mm-hmm. character. It's really, really interesting in retrospect. I never really fully appreciated it until this read, frankly. And, and it is a misstep to go into it in, you know, at night in a narrow valley. You know, they describe it. It sounds craggy. It sounds narrow. There's trees everywhere. Uh, it's, and they're laughing. All things they're, considered. You know, like oh, they're yeah. Just having, like, I think it's more yeah. like he's leading his men out, too, just so they don't get, like, bored as part of the <laughs> siege. You know, like, they're just they're just doing all this. And then, yeah, I mean, but tactically, you know, going into a narrow valley like that is pretty, you know, pretty goofy, pretty stupid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Catelyn hears the call of snow shrikes in the distance and knows they are coming. In the moonlight, she sees a glimpse of Jamie Lannister below in his silvered armor, followed by a long column of knights. <laughs> Maggie She's got Mormont. pretty good eyesight there, Jamie's fucking glowing, that's why. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I got like hard eyes when I read that. <laughs> okay. Maggie Mormont's Warhorn blasts, signaling that Jamie's riders have entered the trap. Grey Wind howls, the horns of Great John, the Malisters, Freys, and Karstarks respond. The Whispering Wood lets out its breath as the bowmen Rob had hidden let fly their arrows and the battle began. And I'm going to read um, a paragraph of the battle right here. Uh, the crack of the broken lance, the clash of swords, the cries of Lannister and Winterfell and Tully. When she realized there was no more to see, she closed her eyes and listened. The battle came alive around her. She heard hoofbeats, iron boots splashing in shallow water, the woody sound of swords on oaken shields, and the scrape of steel against steel, the hiss of arrows, the thunder of drums, the terrified screaming of thousands of horses. Men shouted curses and begged for mercy, and got it, or not, and lived, or died. The ridges seemed to play queer tricks with the sound. Once she heard Rob's voice as clear as if he'd been standing at her side calling, To me, to me! And she heard his direwolf snarling and growling, heard the snap of those long teeth, the tearing of flesh, the shrieks of fear and pain from man and horse alike. Was there only one wolf? It was hard to be certain. Little by little the sounds dwindled and died until at last there was only the wolf. As red dawn broke in the east, Greywind began to howl again. I kind of oh, feel God. sorry. It's like an amazing horses. description. It was, yes. Oh man, it's so I feel so effective. <laughs> to me, this is more. Yeah. It hits more than if I'd been like one of the riders on a horse or something, you know, mm-hmm. in the battle. Well, and he just has like these little, you know, it's not dawn, it's red dawn, and I mean, mm-hmm. just that adjective makes all the difference in it. And you know, he's just so good. <laughs> Well, he's good, but you you kind of have to admire the fact that another advantage of using Cat as a POV is that he gets to completely sidestep writing the actual battles, which is, you know... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like, like that, yeah. I, I like really, the cadets. <laughs> that might be why I like it. to write a battle? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, because it's one of the biggest complaints that he gets a lot of, a lot of you know, nerd dude bros read fantasy, especially, you know... This sort of hardcore epic fantasy for things like the battles yeah. and the fights and stuff. And, and George if, tends to not want to get into them. And, like, if I'm reading that, I'm just, like, paging through that and, like, getting, like, there is a battle. It's, like, the same way if I'm reading, like, you know, a, a, a historical romance novel and, like, they start into the description of, like, the food. It's, like, scroll, 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 scroll. scroll. Oh, now they're, now they're getting it out. Okay. <laughs> I don't need to know what they're having for dinner. <laughs> so, um... I'm kind of infamous for not watching the show, but I did watch the first season. I don't remember what it was like. Did they actually have this battle? They didn't have this battle, right? Like, yeah, they, no, they do. It's they did. It's, I mean, you can't no, they see don't. any of it. Well, I mean, you can't see any of it. No, but I mean, they no, have it, the scene. Well, they have the scene of of them presenting Jamie. But I think in the show, all it is, and I only remember this just because these were some really surprisingly moving episodes of Game of Thrones when we were recapping them later on and we were surprised at how moving they were, but actually all they do is they show Cat waiting for the end of the yeah. battle. 
and oh. and and they ride up with Jamie captured and throw okay. him at her feet. It's actually very close to what's in the book. Yeah. Um. Which yeah. They were um, probably happy about, so they had to save money on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, what I was gonna say used to, is used to skip battles too. <laughs> he used to try yeah. to avoid them. <laughs> That's what I thought because I was like, wow, that would be an amazing battle to actually see. But yeah. I didn't remember ever seeing it, so I was like, I don't think they had the budget anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I, I could almost like, see like, yeah. It could have this cool thing with, like, her just standing there, closing her eyes, and then the battle happening around her, and it's like, you know, that would be kind of cool, but, you know, maybe if they ever redo it someday, and let all of us, you know, tell them. I mean, aren't we all secretly hoping for, like, the animated version, which is what we need? Yes, I have for that. (laughs) I feel like Michelle Fairley's face, like, literally saved them millions of dollars, because they didn't have to film this, you know? Like, she sells it completely in the show. Yes. She's amazing. so good. (laughs) All I could think of with the animated version, though, is, like, what if people bang? Like, I just can't get behind, like, animated banging. Like, no. They'll just have to do Fade to Dark scenes. No, I want to see, like, Big Mast animated. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's the issue. Like, when do you zoom in? When do you zoom, like, with animation? Oh, (laughs) so different. (laughs) Okay, um... Rob returns unharmed, but covered in the blood of one of his battle guard that died protecting him. Theon and Great John drag Sir Jamie Lannister and throw him down in front of Cat's horse. Jamie tells her he would offer her his sword, but he seems to have mislaid it. She tells him that she wants her husband, daughters, father, brother, not his sword. He replies that he has mislaid them as well, at which point Theon tells Rob to take Jamie's head off. Rob refuses, as Jamie is more useful dead than alive, and his father never condoned the murder of prisoners after a battle. Catelyn orders them to take Jamie away, and Rob warns them to post a strong guard around him, as Lord Karstark wants his head. Catelyn then finds out that Jamie killed both of Karstark's sons, Torin and Eddard, as well as Darren Hornswood. Galbert Glover describes Jamie's courage in pushing forward in a final attack on Rob, even after all was lost. Theon exclaims that the Lannisters lost ten of their men for every one of Rob's that fell. As he lists the captured, Catelyn reminds him that Tywin is still free and the war is far from done. There's a lot that's going on here. Um, first of all, I have to pause and say, isn't it so funny how Theon's just like, cut his head off, cut his head like, you know, like, no thought to strategy whatsoever. He was just so like, excited. He was, no. He's so proud of himself. My cat has to, like, you know, throw uh, some water no. on it. And, you know, I've read some interesting, you know, I was looking about the numbers, and there were some interesting uh, discussions online about the real numbers, that they weren't that far off. Like, like they were saying there was something maybe the 15,000 compared to 12,000. Like, the idea is that, you know, Jason Malister and... The Sea Guard brought a lot of numbers in that it was like a lot of people. One of the guys in the is it, was it Glover? One of the guys was like, "Oh yeah, it's like one to six or something." I don't know. Well, didn't they have a force of men that go that are going to River Run simultaneously with this though? Don't they? Because don't they know, pretty much yeah. over. Because I know that they're overrunning 
the camps at this point too, or like very shortly thereafter. Yeah, I'd be interested to know just how much the split was. You know, if, of course they you know have the advantage of the night and all that, but I'm sure there's a post somewhere where somebody figured it all out. I have no doubt. I mean, there's yeah. literally posts about people figuring out the temperature of Dothraki soup. Yeah, so. like like I said, the one that I saw, and they could have been wrong, but they were claiming it was only a difference of a couple thousand, so it wasn't that great as Theon and everybody else was making out. But I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> We'd have to and ask I mean, George. In this particular battle, they were clearly, you know, clearly overwhelming their number, you know, overwhelming the Lannister forces in numbers. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. But it's funny here because you hear that like they capture um, Cleos uh, and yeah, Cleos yeah. and Gowan Westerling, who is Jane Westerling. Yeah, dad, that was interesting Jamie. too. It's funny because it kind of highlights the fact, you know, in Feast, you hear Jamie say something about um, when he's talking to Sybil Spicer, who's Gowan's um, wife and Jane's mother. Um, about how he wonders how Gowan deals with her or whatever, and it, it just occurred to me he totally knows him well, clearly, because they were mm. writing together right here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting what the connections actually are when you when you come back, you know, when you know the names well enough, I guess, to really yeah. pick well, up on some of Well, it's interesting Cleos was with him, but he didn't really know Cleos at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knew him a little, you know, how to, I mean... Just didn't know if he was the lick spittle Frey or not. How well, how well do you know your Frey cousins? I mean, come on now. <laughs> so they got Jamie. Everything should be fine now, right? Like, they'll get Ned and Son. Like, everything's cool? Like, it's, it's all going to turn out great. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to go really well for the Starks from now on. It's just, it's all coming up daisies for them. <laughs> This was such a big yeah. deal. Like, oh, man, <laughs> such a big deal for them. <laughs> it's like, I know I can't well, did it, but, like, it's yeah. such a big deal for them. <laughs> well, it's part of the reason why it was such a good idea, because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is one thing. You know, as you're looking it's at Tywin Lannister, you're like, yeah, you're like, what yeah. would Tywin actually care about? And it's like, oh, no, he does actually care about Jamie. They're right. He's <laughs> probably about the only person he really cares much about at all. And it's still not much, but, you know, <laughs> like. It was a really good strategy, and yeah. it should have been enough to, you know, get what they wanted from a diplomatic mm. point of view. I mean, if they weren't dealing with, you know, maniacs in King's Landing, <laughs> it would have been. And, and Littlefinger. I mean, you know, it was 100% yeah. in Littlefinger's interest to not, you know, make the rational move here. No. So they oh, yeah. made the unfortunate error of not realizing they, were, they weren't dealing with rational enemies, you know. Like Stannis mm. would have all. Stannis wouldn't make any trade, would he? It would depend. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's just really, you know, it, it is kind of a moment of triumph and, and, and everything from the Stark perspective. But it's funny how as a Jamie Lannister fan, you read this and you're like, oh, my God. I mean, like, he realized he was completely lost. And yet he still just made this huge surge. Like, he was going to personally kill Rob. Like, <laughs> screaming it out. Like, it's like it's like Babe Ruth saying that he was going to hit the home run. Like, he's like, oh, I'm coming for you right now. And he's, like, fighting and almost gets him. I mean, oh, yeah. he, it's actually oh, yeah. Rob's actual personal bodyguard who fights Jamie off and stops, stops yeah. him from killing Rob. I mean, in my mind's eye, they're literally, their bodies are on top of, you know, whatever situation between Rob and, and Jamie. And he's hacking away. It's wild. It sounds like Jamie's the Terminator just, like, coming for you. <laughs> Oh, he had like a good graphic description of what he did too. I forget uh, what it was. was Chop the nasty. hand off. What was it? Chop the yeah, neck. Somebody like, nag his sword in someone's neck. Basically, yeah. yes. Somebody got their hand yeah. chopped off, and then you know he must have been pissed though. Can you imagine how they were just strolling along? He must have been so pissed. 
about the ambush. Well, you know, I mean, he's been sort of like <laughs> so pissed, but kind of like excited, and like you know, his blood, his blood, <laughs> yeah. his blood going, you know, like. Well, and he would have wanted to die. I guarantee Jamie would have rather been killed than ever yeah. be captured. And you know, yeah. I mean, we hear this when we're we're in his head. I mean, he actually says he's like he does not care about dying. Like he really doesn't care. And you can just well, imagine he's so unhappy oh, at this point, you know, yeah. in his life, like. Yeah. You know, He'd rather go yeah. out in a blaze of glory. Like that would be his preferred, <laughs> yeah. preferred ending. <laughs> okay. If that, if anybody else doesn't doesn't have anything else, we can wrap it up there. And uh, uh, Guile, do we have some mail this week? Yeah, we do. We have um, a few a few pieces of mail. Um, we have a couple that came in um, before the holidays. So we've got one. Um, Hi, girls. I am Lincoln from Brazil, and I just wanted to thank you very much for the hours of insight and fun on the ASOF series. Although I don't always agree with your opinions, I love how interesting and unique your perspectives are, and I always laugh a lot and learn a bit from them. So this is kind of, as an aside, this is like the second note that we've got that says, we don't always agree with your opinions. So that's awesome, but next time someone writes that, like, tell us what you don't agree with, because that's what I'm, like, dying to know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Details. I totally agree with that, but you guys are completely wrong about that. Like, yeah, let us know. Let's fight it out. Um, <laughs> be interesting to hear. Um, Lincoln continues, food for thought about the series. More and more, I get the feeling that D&D are just going to make fan service and all our dreams come true. Sansa, Queen of the North, Clickane Bolt, Jamie and Brienne having wild sex on top of a unicorn. <laughs> Danny and John high fiving in the air on their dragons while the dragons take a shit on Cersei's head. <laughs> I think that'd be good luck. That'd be awesome. I take it rather than some of the stuff we're getting. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. Do you girls get that feeling too? And if so, how would you feel about it? I absolutely do not think that they're trying to make fan service in our dreams come true. Not my dream. Right. I mean, they've kind of, like, soiled my dreams. (laughs) I don't know. I do think they're doing a lot of fan service. I mean, like, the fact that they did bring back Sander at all and everything and the way that they did it was really setting up for something fan service-y. And, like, if if even a fraction of the spoilers that we're getting for season seven are true, it (laughs) sounds pretty fan (laughs) service-y. I love it. I'm totally down. Like, just go full insanity. Why not? I mean, sometimes, like, there's things like when, you know, Jamie, you know, when they were having, talking about the mountain in a, you know, trial by combat, and Jamie was like, I'd like to see that battle, and like, (laughs) you might as well wank at the camera. You're like, that kind of stuff, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I, you know, I agree that they're going fan service-y. If any of this is true, it's totally fan service. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's terrible anyway. Who cares how terrible it gets? Hey, if you go go big or go home, right? I mean, if you're going to go complete terrible and insanity, you might as well go all the way. Full full throttle. But there needs to be a little bit more. Like, if Cersei's pregnant, then we do need the, you know, Maria LaDabario... You know, we need that moment of her walking in on Jamie and Cersei, <laughs> like something like we're gonna go with Helen Navala, Let's go full. Let's go full and have it. Someone needs to fall into a coma. Yeah, we need a coma right. amnesia. I was, amnesia. Yeah, amnesia. <laughs> more secret babies, more of them. 
<laughs> yeah, more secret targs everywhere. Yeah, totally. everybody. They reveal everyone at once because they try to they try to burn people and they just stand there. They're alive. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon. They line them up. That's how they test them. <laughs> well, what if that's, that's how Jamie actually wishes. survives the dragon attack? What if he just... I would burn? love that because, you know, I'm one of those secret, like, horrible... It's my secret shame. Well, not so secret shame, but I still want, like, Jamie and Cersei to be, like, Ares' kids. And I want it to be some cheesy... <laughs> I'm your oh, Uncle God. Jamie! Or no, he'd be her brother, Jamie. That's right. <laughs> I mean, Jamie would be pretty jacked to be Rhaegar's brother, though, but... <laughs> No, wait, one of them has to be from Taiwan, and one of them has to be from Iris. Oh, that would be even better. Oh, that would be like a cat. Like a cat. Yeah. (laughs) You need that to happen for a full soap opera. That is the soap opera right there. But really, they're both eventually Taiwans, but, um, like, Rayella Targaryen changed the maternity records because she knew (laughs) someone in the lab who turned out to be Kyber of all people. So she knows the truth. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my god! Like, like, like it's written in some document in the Citadel as well, so Sam discovers it, oh and then they god. have to kill Sam. I don't know. You they know what I would love people. if Quiburn got got Cersei in, like he did some experiment and like impregnated her, like whether it was himself or by like in vitro fertilization, and that's where the baby is. It's a Quiburn Cersei baby. It's his awesome. It's his DNA. It was, like the mountain's child, and Jamie's but it was really his. <laughs> He's trying to make the ultimate evil person. <laughs> oh. oh, good times. Is, is there any more mail? Or... Yep, there's, okay. there's sorry. more. Sorry. sorry. Um, we have another one from Marvelous Maeve who says, Good evening, ladies. I have a quick, silly question for you tonight. Have any of you ever had a got or a Song of Ice and Fire related dream? I ask because I hadn't until this past week when I experienced two. One in which I was Arya fighting for my life against a reincarnated waif, which was terrifying. And one where I was myself, chilling with the Red Viper and Tyrion in King's Landing, which was awesome. I suspect they are related to my grotesque overeating during the Christmas weekend, followed by binging the second half of season six. I hope someone on the podcast has had a similar experience of falling into our favorite fantasy realm while sleeping, and I'm not alone in this. Thanks for continuing to be awesome, and I wish you all a happy and healthy 2017. Aww. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. <laughs> I had one dream, but it was about uh, Nick and Gwen. And it was modern times, not at all. What bad. were they doing? <laughs> I legit don't remember. I just remember that I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, I finally had a dream. It was just like last year. I finally had one. <laughs> I had a dream that I was a princess and Gwendolyn Christie was my knight who was there to protect me. That's awesome. Perfect. <laughs> Great. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, anyone else? I haven't. I I've had like I think weird snippets of like I remember somebody in a tree and out of his net or something like just weird bizarre <laughs> stuff like that. Nothing like a whole storyline and nothing like sadly. I'm so sorry, Chloe. Nothing. You Jamie a Brand. Was Ned. Ned in a tree. <laughs> like that's all it's hitting me is like Ned sitting in a tree. Like something. <laughs> masturbation right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what he was doing. Now that would have been more exciting. Like Ned sitting on a tree branch with like a little like a little banjo. Or something. <laughs> that's even better. Like a little lute or something. He's playing some kind of instrument. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. 
anybody else or that <laughs> we got one more from Min who um, wrote in on our Patreon account and said I've been enjoying the podcast so I decided to become a supporter yay, yay. Um, I really love the RPG episodes I never thought I'd be interested in listening to a group of people RPG on a podcast but it's really interesting I listen while I'm doing housework and taking care of my baby keep up the good work <laughs> cool that's cool to hear like I had a lot of fun yeah. doing the RPG so that's really cool to hear Oh, God, we embarrass ourselves so well on those RPG episodes. <laughs> They're my favorite. <laughs> oh, that's cool to hear. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I love the little sound effects that Wonkins is putting in the later ones. I was listening to a snippet uh-huh. of, like, yeah. the music is pretty cool. <laughs> Super fancy. And I think we've got another couple scheduled. Um, they're they're recorded already, so... Um, but they're scheduled to probably be broadcast, broadcast, we don't broadcast anything, <laughs> scheduled to be podcast, um, it looks like in April, so okay. um, be on the watch for those. Okay, cool, thanks. Um, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com, on Tumblr at close the door and come here at tumblr.com, follow us on Twitter at door podcast. Please like, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, Google Music, wherever you listen. And please support us on Patreon at Close the Door to get episodes early. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, thank Emmy you. and Doxa, for guesting. Oh, <laughs> it was a good discussion tonight. It was thank fun. you for having us again. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, glad you're here. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Cool. Thanks for moderating, Clotho. Oh, it's good. Get back in after the little break. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, uh, goodbye, everyone. I'm closing the door. Get out.